Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend. A podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. My name is Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, Hillary Clinton's inbox problem, woof, uh, leaning in together and <laughs> and whether or not that's sort of brought down by the term chore play. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, oh my God, a period anthem, tampons and Tylenol, and of course this week in menstruation, the lady Ghostbusters undermined by dude Ghostbusters, shocking, terrible, and some shine theory in downhill mountain biking. Um, and can I tell you something really funny? Somebody tweeted at me that whenever I say my name, they um, heard it as Amina Tussaud, like the Tussaud Wax Museum. <laughs> she like spelled it out for me and it blew my mind. I was like, whoa. And you were like, you can call me Madame. <laughs> yeah. I was like, also, that's how I'm going to tell people to pronounce my name now. Awesome. I mean, that is actually a really good tip. Things you learn from doing radio. Or audio things that you did not think of before. Audio things, TM. Yeah, no, that was that was great. It like made my whole week. I was like, whoa. Audio things is going to be the name of our lucrative podcast network. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to join the audio things network, please email us. <laughs> uh, this is a reference to an earlier conversation we were having about how all podcast network owners and figureheads are dudes. And how annoying that is. And yeah, that's pretty much it. We were, oh, big coup for us lately is that we were featured in the lady section of iTunes, like recommended podcasts. I feel like that is also I think context. you mean the inspiring voices, <laughs> <laughs> which I like to believe only women can be inspiration. Thank you, Oprah. <laughs> Thank you, Queen O. We can come back to that rant about podcast bros and start with like, you know, a personal life update if you want. That's sort of a personal life update for me, but. <laughs> I I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't have a period, so I feel good. I just got back from LA where I saw you. So that was awesome. We hung out IRL. It happens. It happens sometimes. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Do you love how like people were genuinely surprised by that? They were like, oh. People were <laughs> commenting on Instagram like, you're together? <laughs> No, I was like, uh... Rude. I mean, yes. Uh, rude slash, like, just LOL in general. It made me it made me really happy. Oh, and get this. So you know that awesome cape I thrifted with you? Yes. FedEx has not yet delivered it, and I'm worried. Uh-oh. I mean, yes. maybe all we will have to remember that cape is the photos I took of you in the thrift store looking absolutely regal Please, in this, in this white wool FedEx. cape. <laughs> I mean, I'm I think you have a strong case. They don't find it. A strong case. Um, the we also to just update people who were not there at our IRL hang went shopping for herbs for a container herb garden at my house because I don't know we are that Oprah. Oh my and god! So much time at Home Depot. By the end of it, it was like Twilight Zone. We were me. fading. 
well, tonight I, I made a salad featuring herbs I trimmed from the garden and I felt super, I felt like the protagonist of my own Nancy Myers film. Wait, you and, already trimmed the garden for food? Yes. The, that mint bush is already out of control. I bought the big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Also, can we just talk for two minutes about how hard it was to just find herbs in general? I mean, we had we we were turned away at a few nurseries before we gave up and went to the big evil chain to to buy our herbs. I don't know. This is why I support big business. You know, they just like get it done sometimes. <laughs> also, I think this speaks to the difficulty of googling like where to buy herbs in Southern California. It's just all weed euphemisms. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I actually want rosemary and thyme. I actually mean culinary herbs. <laughs> I know. Also, all the tomatoes had really funny names. Big boy tomato. I think I made one? that one up. It might have been big beefy tomato. Unclear. Yeah, big. I thought there. There's one. I thought there were big girls and like beefy boys, but maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, or maybe you're just listing your sexual preferences. Who I mean, knows? you know, I do love both of those things. <laughs> oh my god, this is how you know that we're getting old. We've now spent like three minutes talking about tomatoes and gardens. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Like our like recounting instead of like being like, oh my god, the crazy shit that went down at the bar last night. We're like, can you believe the names of those tomatoes at the Home Depot? No, and we went on like a two-hour brunch and neither of us had booze. I was very impressed. I was also impressed. Healthy living. <laughs> healthy mindful living new amina you know it's like 30 (laughs) is dawning your body betrays you (laughs) sure get back at me next time you're menstruating and we'll see if that's the case oh god yeah i i hope to never have another period on this podcast i mean that's like a really graphic visual (laughs) no so far so good do you want to talk about our girl hillary in the news Oh my god. (laughs) So, first, I want to put this out there. After Kanye, the other person I have an unreasonable amount of love for is Hillary. I I know what I'm doing by raising this topic with you, but also, this is just one million face palms. Why, Why did you do this to yourself, Hillary? Why? So... I mean, <laughs> do you have to? Do we have to explain even, like, what she did to herself? Maybe we should back up. Start. So this yeah. is obviously email gate, right? So first, I really want to just shine a light on government services and how they're like one hundred percent problematic. Two, what I don't understand about email gate is how everybody on almost everybody on her staff including her has been using private email to supposedly email other people in the government and nobody called them out on it i think that's crazy does that is that testament to her power like how scared everyone is to call her out no i'm convinced like other people are just using their email too and well Lindsey graham has never used email ever so I know, you don't have to worry about that in the entire world you know i like low key have love for Lindsey graham because he like looks like a clown and okay that's the most absurd thing you have said on this podcast ever (laughs) listen do you not have a little bit of love for Lindsey graham he's so over the top he's so over the top he's like little old southern man i'm like come on Lindsey graham we all know what's going on here but anyway allegedly (laughs) he has never used email allegedly 
allegedly. I don't. I don't email you. No, you can have every email I've ever sent. I've never sent one. <laughs> so I don't know what that makes me, but it may. I don't know that. Like, does that count? Like him hovering over the shoulder of a staffer and like dictating or being like, let me see, let me see what it says. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. maybe your fingers have never hit send. I maybe believe that, but that's more of like a being weighted on hand and foot thing than a like not actually engaging with email thing. Yeah. I mean, also, here's the thing about like email gate, right? It's just like one big searing indictment of Blackberries. Hillary didn't want to carry multiple devices to check her personal. Okay, that's such a stupid email. argument. <laughs> that is <laughs> so what? stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> like, how many handlers does she have to help her juggle her multiple devices? I manage to sometimes leave the house with like three different devices, and I don't have a support team. Like, that and is bullshit. I don't want to throw any shade at you and how hard you work. <laughs> I'm not even going to begin to compare your level of output to Hillary Clinton. So, like, <laughs> I'm not talking down. about output. I'm just talking about like no, pure mean, like, device obviously. management. Well, so here's the thing, you know, like now I'm being really serious. I think that this whole thing is stupid. It's actually really stupid and it was totally preventable. And I think that it's like a gamble that she made that people would not care. And surprise, surprise, like people do care. Okay, but here's the thing. Yeah. How do you gamble that people won't care about this, given that you are Hillary fucking Clinton, who everyone wants to take down? Like a whole like 50% of the electorate hates your guts. And there's like an entire party and conservative apparatus that has made whole movies about how terrible you are and, you know, is like using your name to like fundraise for every candidate of the opposing party because that's how much hatred your name can engender. And you don't think that anyone will ever ask questions about this. Like that is absurd to me. But that's that's the whole thing of this like whole scandal. I'm doing like the biggest air quotes that you can see. That's like (laughs) completely necessary. It's like completely unnecessary. She's just like... I watched the press conference today. It's all everybody at the gym was watching and was really funny. But yeah, you know, it's like, she's just like admitting that, you know, like she's like, maybe in retrospect, I should have just used the State Department email address. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, if there's somebody who doesn't need the benefit of hindsight, it's you. Right. Don't do that. But, you know, I think that also history has proven that, like, people in the Clinton inner circle do really strange things and get away sometimes with strange things and sometimes not. And who knows? You know. But here's the other thing, Anne. This whole thing, like, should not be a scandal. And it's it's really frustrating to me that anything that a Clinton does, you know, like, no matter how small or big, gets blown out of proportion this way. I'm like, here's what we're saying about email gate. What's going to happen when it's, like, actually a real crisis? Like, we're going to explode. I actually disagree with you. I actually think it should be a scandal. And I think it is unfair to sort of portray it as, like, something only Hillary Clinton has done or is doing. I mean, it's sort of like, as, (laughs) as someone with an interest in, like, can things be considered part of the public record and how do we have access to this stuff as more and more important business moves to digital communication? I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, all this stuff probably better than I do for sure, but it's, it's like, just because it's not the worst thing happening right now, doesn't mean it's not a scandal and doesn't mean she wasn't wrong. I mean, I still think she was wrong, even though it's like other, um, politicians are hypocrites for calling her out on it when they're probably doing similar things. I still think she was wrong. I think that she was wrong. I think that more than she was wrong, everybody at the State Department involved was also wrong. I think that 
Ugh, old people in email. <laughs> that's the other, that's like the other way I just feel deeply about this. I'm trying to stay zen about 2016 and it's already started and it's already stressing the, like the crap out of me. Did you read that thing in Mother Jones? I think it was like, who's that old white dude at Mother Jones? David, David Korn. Korn. David Korn. That guy. He looks like the um, eagle on the Muppets. The one. Exactly. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Not meant to be an insult necessarily, just a likeness. I know. Who knew this was a podcast where we threw shade at old DC journalists? Sorry, David Corn. He doesn't listen um, to this podcast, don't worry, no way. Listen, it's it's just going to happen. But yeah, he wrote this like really um, you know, this thing about like the return of the Clinton media persecution complex and how basically since the days of Whitewater and Lewinsky, like this is it's like the same media circus with them. So I agree with you that what Hillary did is wrong. I think that everybody involved is wrong, but I still stand by my statement that it's, it's not that big of a deal compared to other things that are happening, even though it is very wrong. Yeah, you're right. Probably part of my frustration stems from the fact that I'm like not ready to hop aboard the 2016 merry-go-round. <laughs> I'm just not. Oh, I really, ugh. I don't think I can handle it. I really don't think I can handle it. You know, because you know that the Hillary, like, gender wars are just around the corner. Oh, my God. Going to lose so many friends. It's like a massive volcano that is, like, about to erupt of of Hillary gender war shit. No, totally. And I think that, you know, I think that you can feel, that anybody can feel how they feel about Hillary. But to deny that she is completely shaped by her gender and that there's something so completely anomalous is that the word maybe about her like her place in politics she is the only she's the only and she's the closest and she comes from a time and place where women were not supposed to achieve this kind of stuff and it's completely disingenuous to say that sexism is not a thing that happens to her or i'm also noticing a lot of people saying that she deploys her gender very shrewdly and it's like oh my god when you're a woman your gender is a part of who you are right so yeah i think that my hesitation about getting on board with email gate is just i can you know like i can see the rest of the forest and i'm very terrified for what is to come I think for me, it also has the significance. I mean, when you say "ugh, old people in email, I think about all of the early reporting on the various, you know, mini campaigns and factions within the Clinton universe and how, like, technologically speaking, they are they are just not aligned. And most of them are not you know, in sync in a way that you need to be to have an awesome tech strategy. <laughs> and and that's the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, God, it's like not only, you know, a preview of all of this gender stuff that's coming, but it's also a preview of fuck ups related to technology and other things that make me, you know, you're right, like Hillary is an only of her generation, but the of her generation part, her generation comes with some other drawbacks <laughs> other than so, like entrenched sexism be- being like that she was the only woman to succeed from it <laughs> so here's the deal if you want to hear about like another political old person email scandal jeb bush like did the thing where he dumped all of his email out and he's like everybody transparency here's my email none of that shit was redacted so people's social securities are in there. oh <laughs> my god like very identifiable information which is also like crazy right and dangerous and bananas 
And yes, you know, like actually a little nefarious if you think about it. And surprise, surprise, that one didn't get as much play. Right. Fair enough. Well, you heard it here probably last. <laughs> Jim Bush's email problem. <laughs> email gate, it's happening to an entire generation. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Anne. Also, have you heard these rumors about I'm sorry, this is total tangent, but no, I, great. Like, about how George Bush maybe is like Alzheimer's or senile or something. That's why he's painting and we never hear him talk. Do you think this is true? I would believe it. <laughs> I know. I was just like, first of all, I love how blessed my life is that I came in the wild in conversation with like Los Angeles people was like looped into a George Bush, into George Bush gossip. Like that was great, but it like kind of blew my mind because you know how I feel about his art. It's great. And I don't want to hear that. It's like from him, like, you know. This is inspiring me to uh, send some images of his art to Bridget, my art therapist bestie, and see if she can analyze and tell me what's going on with like oh my the, God. What's, yeah, what's the going on with the bathtub one especially. I'm just like, mm. what? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you know, this podcast come come for email gate. Like, stay for George Bush rumors, and maybe anyway. send us an email about how we're ageist while you're at it. Uh. It's true. It's true. Listen, Not inviting controversy. Speaking of maybe women, do you want to go into Cheryl Sandberg combo? Oh my god. Are you talking about chore play? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm talking about hashtag lean in together, which is the newest like kind of iteration of lean in. And it's Cheryl Sandberg and like partnering with the NBA with a very, in my estimation, inoffensive message that, you know, like do we like men should do more chores Granted, the so the New York Times, this is in, the, you know, our favorite series on the New York Times, uh, Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant, which I just bought the Adam Grant book to read because everybody was bugging me about it. So I'll report back on that in a couple of weeks. But anyway, the New, the New York Times, like, article announcing this was really stupid. I can't even recall the, the headline. The headline was really annoying. And then there's this whole part about, like, chore play and, you know, like, your husband doing chores being really sexy and you can get down with that. I mean, <laughs> that made me laugh. It did not make me uncomfortable, but I, I noticed a lot of social media dislike for this campaign. And that was really mind boggling to me at this point, because all I could tell from people's objections is that they don't like it because Cheryl made it, <laughs> well, which I think is crazy. So to separate the idea of lean in together and the fact that men should be on board from that New York Times op-ed specifically. I mean, I agree that lean in together is not objectionable. It seems pretty basic stuff to me. And if Cheryl wants to say it loud, great. But the op-ed, I feel like I feel like the reason in part because it's an annoying word, but like the chore play thing speaks to this really old fashioned idea that, you know, the way to sort of I don't know, like take good care of the women in your life or like show them you're really an attentive partner is to do some housework is I mean, I remember maybe like five or six years ago, someone made a 
And I don't think it was a joke. I think it was sort of like a hey, ladies, wink, wink, um, uh, a porn for women calendar that was just like men doing housework. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. It was called like porn for women and it was like men doing housework. And and so like this is in some ways an old joke that to me is also a little bit insulting of men. It's like, okay, how do we get men to be invested in the women in their lives advancing professionally? We make it sound like they might get laid or like we give it a sex analogy, which I think is sort of like, I don't know. So to me, it spoke to this like other strain of semi patronizing language about gender roles across the board, which is different from Lean In Together, which is like, yeah, cool, fine, great. <laughs> no, totally right. But this was like, this was part of the objection to the whole initiative. I completely agree. I think chore play is ridiculous. I think it's like very old school. But, you know, I've also talked to many a uh, working woman who is a little turned on by a man who does chores. So, you know, like, who am I to say that it's not a I mean, how thing? hard is it to be like, yes, scrub the toilet and then you know, get me off sexually. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how hard? I don't know. And you tell me having hard. it all. I just ha- having it all. Right. Is that what it is? Like, I don't know. But yeah, I think that it's also one of those things where it's, it's really interesting to me to watch her try to take the book and make it become an ongoing conversation in a movement because Given the fact that there is this book at the heart of it, it's pretty hard to escape the criticism that, and I saw this a lot as well of Lean In Together, that you're just trying to sell more books by dragging out the same thesis and applying it in all these different corners. But like dragging out the same thesis and applying it to in lots of different ways is sort of the definition of like feminism or any ideology. I know, but here's the other thing. It's like kind of preposterous to say that Charles Sandberg wants to get rich off of writing a book. That lady's already rich. Sure. This is not a this is not how she's like paying her bills or going to send her kids to school. I think that she genuinely saw a problem and wanted to address it in her own way. You know, I think that also if you read the book, like the thing that she makes abundantly clear in the beginning of the book is that it's not for everyone, which, you know, is like both good and bad. But I don't think that she's under any illusion that like every this applies to every woman in America. It certainly doesn't apply to me. I think that one thing that's just been a little discouraging from seeing the response to what she's trying to do and a couple of other women is that there's just like no room to try anything. What's so offensive about her message that it can't like, even if it doesn't apply to me and to like a ton of other women, like I guess like my age or, you know, like whatever my generation that like, she's still out there, she's trying and that it can coexist in parallel with like a ton of other efforts. Like I feel that like whenever women come out with any kind of remotely feminist, um, it like even makes me nervous to put like to say that lean in is a feminist thing. (laughs) I think that if that were my book and I was marketing it, that's the thing I would have never said that it was part of the feminist conversation. You're right. Like it's like really hard to just keep I mean, I can't imagine I've never been in that position, but I but I I feel like it must be really, really difficult to just keep going. Um, That said, I think it's also fair when someone has a position of prominence to sort of criticize. I mean, I wrote an article that after the ban bossy thing where I was like, actually, I think this is totally the wrong tactic. Whereas like for something like Lean In Together, I don't think that's the wrong tactic. Like, I think the message is totally fine. I just... It's not that revelatory to me, but you're right. Maybe it is to some woman of a different generation or in a different circumstance. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just in a place where I'm really bummed out about like seeing 
a lot of people try different things and all I see is reaction and there's, you know, like, I, yeah, I'm like, I don't know what you do if you're like a young woman like us who has some really great revolutionary, like, here's, I'm going to change feminism. Like, how can you be not scared to even present your idea, you know, at this point? Right. And because, you know, it's a scary time for new ideas. And women are scared to present their ideas. I mean, I, I met a really awesome younger woman this week. She sent me a link to a couple of things that she had written. And I was like, these are really great. What else do you have? And she was like, oh, every time I publish something, I really quickly make it private again because I get scared to have it public. Like once it's out there and as soon as someone reacts to it, I'm I'm scared of that. And I feel like some of that is just getting used to you know, being comfortable with your words or whatever. But a lot of that is this phenomenon of like, everything is fair game for a, you know, total attack. Total attack. Total attack (laughs) mode. (laughs) In my head, I was actually picturing a shark. It was a, it was very vivid. This is all bummer town. Tell me something good or funny. Um, well, I actually, <laughs> I got some great joy from our CYG inbox because someone sent us a period anthem. It's what? called It's called Tampons and Tylenol. <laughs> oh my God. Please tell me everything. Hang on. Maybe we could listen to a little clip, Gina. <laughs> It is by Genesis B, a woman I am not familiar with, or hadn't been up until this moment. And it's not all like explicitly about being on your period. Basically, it's about being so rich, your pockets are overflowing, you got to stuff tampons in them. (laughs) (laughs) And and just, just the metaphor of like vast wealth and like menstruation as a metaphor for just vast wealth i'm shedding i got so much i gotta shed it a little bit of it i gotta absorb this is incredible body chill over here i know so that's so good so that is a this weekend menstruation posi vibe for you (laughs) thank (laughs) you genesis b wherever you are oh my god i'm buying this one dollar on Bandcamp. you deserve more all of our money on Bandcamp. we'll put the link in the thing and maybe like all cyg listeners can buy this song once and we can create like an an incentive system for more period anthems (laughs) i know this is this is pretty phenomenal okay i love it but also related to periods i don't know if you saw this article in the new york times a couple of weeks ago about medicating women's emotions and yes and and what was interesting is so the the woman who wrote it was saying that what is often described as the hyper emotional state during pms is not an aberration or a problem that needs to be treated it's basically women not mediating themselves and not you know bending themselves to society's will and they're just being like i'm gonna be who i am this week because with my period and all i just gotta let let it go (laughs) I mean, um, so I won't lie. When I read this thing, it really like it. W- I I didn't think that's where it was going. You know, <laughs> <And> <laughs> it got really deep. Can I read like a part of it? 
please. The, like, most insane, amazing part of it. In the days leading up to menstruation, when emotional sensitivities heighten, women may feel less insulated, more irritable, or dissatisfied. I tell my patient that the thoughts and feelings that come up during this phase are genuine, and perhaps it's best to reevaluate what they put up with the rest of the month. Oh. Their hormone and neurotransmitters levels are more likely programmed to prompt them to be accommodating to others' demands and needs. That shit is real. So radical. <laughs> So much to unpack in this article. Well, so I was going to say that I I really enjoyed that sentiment. And I think it's very, to the greatest extent possible, you know, sort of questioning, okay, do I feel like this is a problem because it's actually a problem for me? Or is it because society makes me feel like it's a problem? That's like a good question to ask all the time. But she kind of goes on this tangent where she talks about how um, women are twice as likely to receive diagnoses of depression or anxiety disorders than men are mm-hmm. and and therefore be medicated for those. I kind of got to that point and I was like, yeah, you know, but I also know lots of women who genuinely feel very helped by drugs for those things. And no, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't want to be the one telling them that they're like succumbing to society's negative perceptions of how emotional <laughs> they're allowed to be because they take drugs to treat those very real problems no you know i mean yeah i think we're completely on the same page there i like i've always felt really comfortable talking about like my own like medication and you know like mental health and i that was the thing that really struck me right i think that that's a really personal choice and it's it's kind of a fine line the thing i think that this article really brought to focus for me is that I've always thought that that feeling that you have, that, like, PMS feeling, that was, like, genuinely you being crazy. It's, like, female brain on fire. Um, Because for me, it, like, always manifests with, like, too many feelings and crying. Or just the right (laughs) amount of feelings. Yeah, you know, like, a hormone's out of whack. And that was something really radical to be told that, no, maybe, like, this is is completely normal. And, And I don't know that I completely buy it, you know, like, not in general for everybody, but for me, at least. Right. Because for your own mental health, you need to be at a place where you're more than coping and thriving at the same time. It's like, what's the Venn diagram of, right. of like those two feelings for you? And, you know, like whatever helps you get there in a way that is authentic to you. Yeah. And then I think that it has to be, I mean, I think she did a pretty good job, but I also think that when we as friends of women who are considering taking drugs or like taking drugs, I mean, all kind of drugs <laughs> or are feeling like they're being overly emotional or whatever. It's it's really important to just rather than be like, yeah, definitely take some drugs for that. You know, like ask questions <laughs> like, hey, maybe the response you're feeling is totally natural to a world that is that is super fucked up and that is really tough. And, you know, maybe right? this like, is the emotion answer. is part of totally evolutionary biology and your moods don't all need medication like that was. That was really crazy to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I, um, especially when I was younger, was super judgy of women who I felt like couldn't get their emotions in check for whatever reason. I mean, this is some real talk. And and like, that is so stupid. It, it is like, it's absolutely absurd to think about that in, in terms of like, there is a normal level of how emotional to be or like like an expected reaction that all women are supposed to adhere to in every situation like that's insane i completely agree for me that's why um you know like even to the detriment sometimes of some relationships i've been really vocal about like my own like 
dealing with anxiety or dealing with depression because it's not weird. It's like, one, get over it. Like, everybody deals with that, you know? And it doesn't mean that you're not, like, a high-achieving, high-performing person. Mm -hmm. It means that sometimes you need help and also that your body's out of whack. (laughs) Um, Right. Do any kind of reading on SSRIs and you're like, yeah, like, the body is crazy and (laughs) meds are crazy. But, you know, sometimes you need things to cope and sometimes you got to thrive and... You just, you just need to figure out, like, where you're at. It also reminded me of what is a pretty classic argument, feminist argument about birth control, which is people on one hand being like, you're treating the menstrual cycle as if it's a problem that needs to be solved when it's not. It's actually totally natural. And then on the other side, women being like, I love hormonal contraception because I don't get pregnant. Um, and, and, and like, and that yes. is what I need to get through the day, even if I agree with you on some kind of like deep psychological level that maybe it's messaging to women that their periods are fucked up. And so I think that's important too, to recognize that you can say, yeah. maybe we are over medicating women, but also I need this to get through my day. And like solving problem A is a long-term thing and problem B is staring me in the face right now. So I'm going to make a good you, choice. You know that, you know, that's my life. It's like, what do I need in the short term what do I need in the long term uh and sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do mm-hmm. but yeah this article also kind of it did make me think a lot about men though you know and thinking about like you know are there I love like, it. No, men did occur to me in the course of it, reading like, this men, men occur to me occasionally <laughs> but you know it's it's just you know like the sisterhood is so strong sometimes I'm like who are thinking about the men But yeah, you know, I was like in the same way, like, how do we misread or, you know, like, how are we misreading like men's emotional experiences if they have them? LOL. But, uh, you know, um, no, I mean, obviously JK, I feel like the, the ground around me shifted when I read this because I was, I was really not expecting to go there. Mm. Um, speaking of men, (laughs) (laughs) and we already talked about men one time today. Speaking of men, Ghostbusters, and why do men think that they want to be, they can be a part of everything? (laughs) They can't be a part of everything. So when I read the Ghostbuster news, I laughed so hard. Oh my god, backtrack. You have to explain the Ghostbusters news. I thought it was a joke. So... Ghostbusters is a movie from the 80s that people like a lot. I'm doing this to mostly troll our friend Amanda Matos, who made me watch Ghostbusters um, about a year ago. I had never seen it. She's furiously tweeting like 10 Zool jokes at you right now. (laughs) So I watched watched the movie a year ago with her. It's like one of her favorites. And you know that thing happens when you show your friends your favorite movies and they don't respond the way... (laughs) You want them this to. is why I still haven't seen Goonies. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to watch Goonies. Exactly. It's just one of those things. I think that there are movies that you watch growing up, and when you're growing up, they're great, and then you're like, I'm a fully formed adult human. I don't need to be watching this. And the production value is not so great. <laughs> so anyway, um, cult movie, they're remaking a version with all great ladies. Um, who's in it? Kristen Wiig, um, Kate McKinnon. McCarthy, Kate McKinnon and Leslie. Oh, God, Leslie Jones. Right. Yes, Leslie Jones, that awesome, awesome comedian. So that's announced. You know, like Lady Internet, like gets really excited. Ghostbustresses movie. Did out. people make Ghostbusty jokes? Like, I, no, did that happen? Good. I mean, you should register that URL right. Oh now. my God, Ghostbustiers! I feel like lots of Ghost. product tie-ins. <laughs> <laughs> 
god, Anne, you're such a clown. Oh my god, ghost bustle. There's all kinds of lady clothing items that that are super offensive that have a B-U-S in them. Anyway, go on. So anyway, lo and behold, today. So the ghost bustress announcement literally happened like two and a half internet weeks ago. So real. I think it's the 30th anniversary of the movie, maybe. Or maybe I'm making that up. Who knows? But so <laughs> today we get announced that there is uh, Sony Pictures is releasing another remake in the Ghostbuster franchise, this time starring all men. I can't. I just, I can't. <laughs> like, if this mic were not on a professional-looking stand, I would drop it and leave my recording closet and walk away and just, like, never look at the internet again. I can't. So, obviously, we have a conflict of interest because, you know, top boo Channing Tatum is attached to this project. This is no conflict of interest, dropping Ch- Channing Tatum in a hot second over this issue. And this is what I said to people who confronted me about this. <laughs> Don't hate the player, hate the game. The game <laughs> is dirty. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I still kind of hate the player. I mean, listen. First of all, <laughs> this is crazy. I I think like Lady Busters is start. They're like starting to shoot that like imminently, like this summer. So who knows when that movie is coming out? But. It's also the way that Sony is, like, they announced it as, like, a franchise companion to the previously announced franchise you know, companion, which I think is hilarious. They're just like, you know, ladies, go to the right. Men, go to the left. Like, Ghostbusters for her. <laughs> also, you know, like, no matter how you feel about any people in this project, Ghostbusters, like, controversial opinion, Ghostbusters is not good enough that it needs two remakes. Okay? Nothing needs two remakes simultaneously. Nothing. Oh my god. They're not even making new movies anymore. Everything is just going to be, like, Ghostbuster like, remakes forever. I want to see an all-black production of Ghostbusters next, if possible. With one token white Ghostbuster. <laughs> I want that Annie Potts character to be white. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's a good character. If you want to give that to white people, that's on you, but... <laughs> I know. You guys have to duke it out. Who's your best? <laughs> it needs to be... The white Ghostbuster needs to be the one whose eyes get really wide and, like, almost dies first, but doesn't die because of some, like, great act of saviorhood on on the part of one of the other black Ghostbusters. That's the way to, like, flip that. <laughs> oh my god. I wonder if they'll both be called Ghostbusters, or, like, one will be, like, Ghostbusting Gals, or, like, Ladybusters. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> the dudes get the original title. Here, Here is why I hate the player and the game. Because um, Paul Feig, who's directing the Lady Ghostbusters, I, I presumably, like, he and whoever else had a hand in that project made a choice at some point and they were like we want to make an all female version of this movie that would be an interesting way to redo this old franchise and and you know for people who are sick of hollywood never making any new movies anymore it would actually feel kind of updated and he made an active choice not to cast dudes you know what i mean or someone made an active choice not to cast dudes and i have to believe that dudes cast in the other one could have said no, we don't want to compete with the existing version. We want to, like, let that stand on its own. Like, Channing Tatum could have said that. I know, but, you know, I don't know. Mm, mm, 
You don't think Channing Tatum could have said no to this? I mean, I think that he could have said obviously no, but again, I think that if you're going to look at the movie industry, the actors are like the smallest pawn in the studio system. This is like when people I like play roles that I, you know, I can't get behind, like black people who do like all sorts of really racist roles or women that do like degrading movies. It's like, no, like that's their job. Not going to tell them not to make money. Yeah. People should not green light those movies. But, you know, it's also different. It's not like this is, you know, Channing Tatum is an actor who has been super pigeonholed and only, like, niche independence and, like, hasn't proved that he could, like, <laughs> carry a blockbuster success. You know, like, I actually feel like he probably has his pick of projects at this point in time. And it's not like he is a, like, a Black actor who has a choice of you know, well-paying, prominent, stereotype-laden role know, or languishing in I know, by Black women everywhere. You know, so, that's you know. great. But, like, still, didn't have to make... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Fine, Anne. Fine, fine, fine. No, you're right. I Channing mean, can still look hot under the bus where I have just thrown him. <laughs> you know, I want to clarify a lot of things. I'm not actually attracted to Channing Tatum. <laughs> I just like the concept of Channing Tatum. Oh, my God, so, me too. Just putting that out there. I like what he uh, represents for women objectifying men. <laughs> Yes, I'm, like, so not into it. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, no offense. You're an ironic beefosexual. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're an ironic beefosexual <laughs> as well. Anyway, what else is on our list? Shine Theory. So a listener tweeted us this fantastic example of Shine Theory in the wild. A women's downhill mountain biking pro named Amanda Batty just announced that she's going to do all these clinics for women to make them better downhill mountain bikers, which is... Such a great, like, great eye for shine theory. She's basically training her competition. Oh, my God. First of all, this article is at bicycling.com, which, awesome. Oh, and look at what a badass she looks like. She's basically on a cliff, like, staring into the clouds because she's, like, cycled so high. <laughs> and she's spending $20,000 of her own money to bring more women into her sport. That's nuts. Who knew downhill mic- mountain biking was so lucrative? 20k. I mean, that's... Uh, listen, <laughs> all these, like, white people extreme sports are very expensive to do. I mean, expensive to do, but also it must be sort of lucrative to be a professional. Oh my She's God. got 20k. I- uh, listen to this. So this article is so short. I like accidentally happened on a co- on the first comment. Oh no! Amazing. No, it's amazing. Okay. To call Amanda a mountain biker captures to fail. Wait, what? <laughs> Fails to capture <laughs> so much of who she is. <laughs> Can't read. She's dedicated to the sport, the people, racing, being a woman, an athlete, and a great person. She doesn't hesitate to point out when something is wrong and even quicker to point out when something is done right. Ugh, good for you, Amanda. Love you, Amanda Batty. Endorse. Endorse. Love you. Endorse. <laughs> I would like to one day try this um, dangerous form of bicycling. Let's talk about it. I would never like to try downhill mountain biking, but... 
I'm really yeah, happy. It there. looks so cool. Oh my god, are you kidding? I'm afraid to like cycle on city streets. I cannot. I cannot deal with a mountain. We'll, we'll talk about this offline. Okay, we will. But anyway, props to you, Amanda Batty. We love you. Thanks for joining us on Call Your Girlfriend. You can find us many places online on Twitter at callyrgf. On our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. On iTunes, feel free to leave us a review if you feel so inclined. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. Really look forward to hearing from you. See you on the internet, boo. (laughs) Bye, boo. See you on the internet.